0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue wire.
1: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host Nick Villatoz. Today, we're here to break down what Joe Shane, Giants general manager, had to say at the Combine yesterday when he took the time to speak. Now, typically, you'll hear from both general manager and head coach of the team, but Brian Dable said earlier this week that he feels part of his process and what he believes in is, let the GM talk. I'm going to sit over here. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to muddy the waters. I've got my own things to focus on as far as these prospects and what actually matters rather than talking to the media, which I liked. Um, And so instead, we just heard from Joe Shane. And so we're going to talk through some of the things he said, what it might mean. Um, And then we're going to kind of evaluate it and see where we're at moving forward as we head into this critical juncture. of The offseason, the Giants right now have, what, I think six more days to potentially assign the franchise tag to either Saquon Barkley or Daniel Jones as those negotiations continue on. After that, free agency begins a week or two or about a week and a half after that, about 10 days after that. We're going to roll through free agency. And before we know it, we'll be at the draft. So (laughs) it's almost here. The critical reshaping of this roster during the offseason happens in these next two months. And so we're going to be here to talk about it. So let's start with the decision that Joe Shane and the Giants made to bring the entire coaching staff to the combine. Now, there were 10 or more teams that didn't bring their entire staff. But Brian Dable and his coaches, Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka, they are all willing. And they all came. So I was a big fan of hearing that, Nick, to start things off.
2: As was I. You want continuity, and I feel like that's something Joe Shane stresses all throughout basically every press conference that he does. And again, this is a coaching staff where I think they retained every single coach except for Tony Sperano Jr., I think he said during his press conference as well, who was an assistant offensive line coach. He accepted a job to be an offensive line coach somewhere else in the league, but that's what you want. You want that continuity, and I think that's excellent for a team who was pretty young and could be led by a 25-year-old quarterback if Daniel Jones is retained, which it seems... I would say 99% certain that Daniel Jones will be retained in some fashion.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that too. But Joe Shane made it clear that it's not just contract negotiations with Daniel Jones that they are going to resign Daniel Jones. Which, in my mind, basically was saying, you know, without actually saying it, if it doesn't come to the way, if it doesn't come to the way we want it to be as far as negotiations go within the next few days, he will get franchise tagged.
2: I think he actually did say that. Yeah, at one did, point he did at one point <laughs> yeah. actually
1: say, "You're right." He said, "If a deal can't get done by." March 7th at 4 p.m. We will tag him. He did actually say that, Joe Shane, I'm looking at it right now. Um, and he may, but he also made the point that the franchise tag isn't the best thing for building around Daniel Jones and for this team. So I think ultimately, even though me, you and I discussed this last week when we did our Daniel Jones podcast, we said, we think the best thing for this franchise moving forward is to use the franchise tag on Daniel Jones and then to keep it, to slap it and keep it and have the entire season play out with him on the tag. Doesn't seem to be the giants plan right now. And my guesstimation based on what Joe Shane said was is that they'll use the franchise tag, but only as a, you know, a way to buy time to to continue those negotiations and then eventually come to a long-term deal. The only thing is this, as far as buying time and like that whole plan, the, there isn't as much time as people think like, yes, they give you extra time to negotiate on the tag, but if he doesn't get, you know, March 7th is the franchise tag, right, Nick, if he flaps yeah. the tag on Jones, the negotiations haven't gone the way Shane wants, they can't come to an agreement on a deal. Now you're running against the clock because you if you want to actually do what he said, which is build around Daniel Jones net in the now, and he said the franchise tag isn't the best for that. But you got to make that deal soon, though, because otherwise you get to free agency and you still have the franchise tag on Daniel Jones. Now you can't really do anything in free agency because the tag is 32 million. The whole point of signing him long term would be to drop that cap hit to a low number. I think they would start potentially as low as like 12, 14, maybe for the first year of a cap hit. So they could really have like 14, 15, 16 or I'm sorry, like 18 to 20 million dollars in cap space to work around with. So they can start to improve the team via free agency.
2: And we know that the cap goes up every year. And this is something that I heard on a podcast and I felt like it was really important in terms of the conversations around Daniel Jones, and maybe this gives a little bit of credence as to why Joe Shane wants to sign this kid long-term, not only just because he believes in him, but because the cap is expected to go up exponentially. Look, it goes up about 20 million per year if you avoid the COVID year because of everything that happened with that. Now I think it's gonna go up even more because this is when the gambling money and like the daily fantasy money starts to come in. I heard that on a podcast and it kind of gave me a different perspective on what Joe Shane is thinking. Look. I'm a little hesitant to tie up a contract long term in Daniel Jones because I still believe that there are aspects of his game that we have just not seen yet. And if you want to be a true competitor in terms of competing for Super Bowls year in and year out, you need to deliver on those aspects consistently. And Daniel Jones, in my opinion, has not done that quite yet. But if the cap just keeps growing and growing and Joe Shane is like, hey, this kid has all the leadership qualities, all of the intangibles that we want in a quarterback, and he has the physical ability to do everything, which you and I agree with, we just don't see it consistently yet, then we can coach him to get to that point. And that's something that you have brought up several times on this podcast, Dan, and I think that's what he's thinking. It's, hey, we can get this guy on a deal. And in three years, it's not going to look that bad because the cap has jumped so much because of all this extra revenue that is getting poured into the NFL from betting, from Daily Fantasy, and all those companies like DraftKings
1: yeah i think that's an excellent point i mean the only thing is it's all relative i would say so you know as the cap jumps for the giants it jumps for every team so even if they do backload a lot of that jones deal and it starts to look better in the future years because it's like well you know, it's the it's a what? Well, let's say it's backloaded to like up. It's a forty million cap in twenty twenty four and forty two in twenty twenty five. Cap is up way up, so that's more like what it would be like a thirty at this point. There's still other teams who won't have that forty two million allocated to a quarterback. So if Jones does regress in any way, that will still be a problem. He has to. I mean, look for
2: the Giants. He has to improve too. It's not even just regress. Like well, in our I, opinion, I would say this.
1: I would say in regards to the he has to improve thing. If the Giants want to win Super Bowls, he has to improve. But if he doesn't improve and he doesn't regress and he just stays along the lines of what he put together last season and he does that consistently for the next two years. So he so now it's three years in a row at that point, because it would be this year plus those next two years. You could still get something back, in my opinion, in the trade. This is a big part of the reason why I want to yeah. keep Daniel Jones, mostly because I view him as an asset right now. I think there's potential for him to grow into this franchise super winning quarterback. I don't think that's a lock, and I don't think it's a stretch to say that. And I also think that if you put me in a a 50-50 situation, Nick, and you said, gun to my head, is it going to happen? Is it not? I don't really want to answer that question right now, to be completely (laughs) honest. But at the same time, that's not how I'm viewing this. Like I said, it's an asset. To me, Daniel Jones is an asset. He's like you just went over. He's 25 years old. He can run. He he has all the physical tools to eventually get there if the mental catches up. And more importantly than any of that, all the projection based stuff, he's actually done it. Last year was a good season. He was top 10 in DVOA. He was a good quarterback last year. He was one of the at least one of the 15 best quarterbacks in football last year, probably one of the 10 or 12 best when you consider how bad his receivers were and the offensive line situation, though I do think he was helped a lot by the coaching. But still, he was probably top, top 50. He was definitely top 15, maybe top 12 or top 10. So if he just stays on that plane and never gets better, I still think you can then trade him at 28 years old and get something decent back for him because there's going to be some team that's going to be like, we have nothing at quarterback. We're so far along in our building of our team. We don't know how we're going to get it in the draft. Let's just take a risk on Daniel Jones, who we know is this level. He's done it for three years now. And that, of course, would mean he can't go down. He has to stay on that plan. So I think that's part of the Daniel Jones situation for me too, and especially if you're talking about what you just mentioned, Nick, which is viewing it in the prism of this is a five-year deal. It's backloaded to some extent. We're going to build now. We'll see if it works out.
2: Yeah, and another thing that Joe Shane brought up, during the press conference was, look, you evaluate the quarterback position much differently than any other position in the league, because you have to look into how they learn their instincts, the absolute makeup of the kid. And then you start looking into the physical capabilities when you start talking about all of those intangibles that I'm going over, that's Daniel Jones to a T. That's something we've known about Daniel Jones dating back to his time at Duke. And we know he has all the physical capabilities. And I don't want to beat a dead horse because we've gone over this quite often on the last couple of different podcasts that we've done on Daniel Jones. But now it's just getting him to throw with anticipation. And if you can have Brian Dable, who is somewhat of a quarterback whisperer, if you want to use that, that overused term, hmm. then you would believe that he can get Daniel Jones to that level. And then you're paying him, what, like 40 or 30 eight million or whatever. And in three years, if he does take those steps and you have him at an insane deal relative to what Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow will be making and all these other quarterbacks who are set to get paid shortly. So that's Joe Shane's mindset. I'm I'm hoping that's what uh, materializes, but I'm still a little hesitant on um, allocating that much to a quarterback who hasn't really proven anything in terms of throwing with anticipation and leading receivers and stuff along those lines at a consistent level, at least.
1: Even you can just even boil, if you wanted to boil that down to, he really hasn't proven much as a thrower in general in the NFL, if we're going to be completely honest about the situation. It's four-year sample size. There's been very, very few, you know, long long stretches of great throwing at that. But look, that's part of the development. And I'll say this, two things on that point, though. One, if he doesn't get there, Daniel Jones, to me, it's not a Brian Dable issue. So quarterback whisper or not, this is not, you can't, to me, it's mostly an eight. Can he re- can he pro- process the field? Can he throw with anticipation? This is mostly on the actual player. Very little on the coach. The coach can help you, but that's a that's a trait. Like, look, the coach had a huge help in the Josh Allen development, right? Anyone who watched Josh Allen at Wyoming versus Josh Allen in the NFL will be like, "What the hell is this? How is this the same player that I watched at Wyoming?" But because of it's kind of what Phil Simms said yesterday about Anthony Richardson, a player that he likes, mm-hmm. um, he's like. You know, he went over the things he likes about Anthony Richardson, and he said the accuracy issues with Richardson, in Phil Simms' mind, those can be fixed easily. I think that kind of Brian Dable and that staff proved that with Josh Allen. A lot of the accuracy issues with those quarterbacks like Josh Allen was mechanics-based. That's how it can be fixed easily. That part of a quarterback in my mind is much easier to fix than can he process the field post snap? Does he see it? Does he get it? Does he react fast? Does he throw with anticipation? That's something you can try to coach up, but we'll see if it's the coach or the A lot of people believe it's the player, and I think 90% of that is the player. So we'll see if Daniel Jones can get to that level. Uh, I agree with you, too,
2: by the way. I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And what was the thing you mentioned before that in that oh, – I missed something. There was something else good that I wanted to to, to riff off of that you were saying before the um... – About
2: the mental makeup of the kid and then the no. physical ability.
1: No. Okay. It's okay. Maybe we'll come back to it at another point. Okay. But, but yeah, so – and, and, oh, the other thing, yeah, this is what it was. So the other thing is the reason why it's also another benefit for the Giants to backload that contract rather than frontload it, which I did originally tweet two days ago or last week, like I wanted to frontload it. I've changed my mind on that. I actually would prefer them to backload. You want to know why, Nick? Because – there's still the, play, the the factor in play that Daniel Jones takes a huge jump with Brian Dable as the coach, year two in his system, better talent around him, and he becomes the quarterback that they think he can be and that we think he still has potential to be based on his physical traits, right? The mental catches up. In that scenario, Nick, you don't want to have a contract front-loaded. You want to know why? Because by the time we get to that back half of the contract, Daniel Jones' agent comes calling and he says, oh, listen, now he's getting $20 million these guys are getting 45. He's better than these guys. We need a new contract. So you know these guys are going to ask for a new contract if you have a deal in the back end and if they hit and they reach their ceiling. So you might as well front load that thing, really play the combat and really, you know, roll those dice on the combat and just say, you know, <laughs> or I'm sorry, backload the thing, really yeah. play the combat and know that if he hits, you have to renegotiate the contract anyway, if he's not getting enough.
2: And the cap will go up, and that's one other, I guess, check mark in that for that type of choice. Right. But at the same time, like that's putting a lot of eggs in that basket, man. And if that I basket yeah. ends up falling through, those eggs are gonna break, and then yes. you in one of those situations where you got to get rid of a quarterback who not a lot of people like. But we as we've seen recently, and this doesn't necessarily mean other teams will make this mistake. If you have a quarterback who has those physical traits and who was big and who was athletic, you could try to dump them on another team. Like the Carson Wentz experiment with the Colts right. and then with Washington. And now we just seen him released by Washington after one lackluster year where he was benched by the guy who they, who they brought right. Wentz in to replace. And we'll see what happens there. If he ever plays in the NFL again, but I know for a fact
1: at some point, I don't want to look forward to this because this would be so bad for our show and just for us as fans. But if it does ever bottom out with Daniel Jones, you can guarantee that I won't be in the camp of uh the, the, the people who wanted the Giants to win that Washington game years ago. It did work out because Andrew Thomas is better. I'd rather have Andrew Thomas and Chase Young. But at the time we didn't know. But I won't I like how the Bucs are playing this thing, man. The Bucs are gonna go with Trask, they're cutting Leonard net. they're just gonna bottom this thing out. And that's if you're not in contention, I hate the idea of trying to like do your best to win six or seven games. Like, don't give me that crap. Bottom it out, pay no money, clear your cap, get in cap health, and maybe just maybe you get a chance at Kayla Williams in that regard or whoever the quarterback is in that class. So if they get to that point, I hope that, but let's not even think about that. Let's just hope he hits the ceiling, but let's talk about some other things that were said by Joe Shane. I want to talk about something interesting. He said about the wide receiver position. He said, we don't put anyone in a bucket just because they lack height. If they have separation skills and speed, he made a real big point of saying the two, the things they look for at the wide receiver position, which by the way, would make them unique. In this regard nick because not every team is chasing these two traits but he said separation skills and speed he says in our specific offensive system that gives them a versatility you have to be able to separate he said yeah you'd love a big possession wide receiver with a great catcher radius but separation is the big time critical factor for us when evaluating the wide receiver position he says when it comes to finding receivers uh, Brian Dable isn't concerned about size and speed. What he's concerned is if they can separate, they'll find ways, we'll find a way to
2: use them and utilize them in this specific offense. And just to say, man, we already have a big bodied wide receiver who is more than likely going to be playing a large complement of snaps next year yes. in Isaiah Hodgins. And that's ignoring the fact that Colin Johnson. Is going to return now. I don't know what the Giants are going to get from Colin Johnson, but still, that's just another really big-bodied wide receiver. He's like six foot six too. He's even bigger than Hodgins. But in terms of the separation, that is what the NFL is about. And the Giants got a guy in Wando Robinson last year. Look, it was picked a little bit early for my liking, but I did have a second-round grade on Wando Robinson. And Kadarius Tony is no longer on the team, so I was like, okay, I guess it does make sense. Is it George Pickens? No, but that's not the only thing that this Giants coaching staff looks for, as we bring up a lot. And there's a lot of wide receivers who kind of fall into that bucket. Who might be available at pick twenty-five for the New York Jets? There's a big-bodied one who I don't think will be available at twenty-five, and Quentin Johnston, who can create separation, the TCU wide receiver. Now, there are some aspects of his profile that I question a little bit. We'll go over that on a prospect yeah, we'll profile. Talk
1: Johnston, I'm curious to get your take. I'm not yeah. as high. I don't think I'm going to be as high in him as you are.
2: Uh, I like Quentin Johnston, but yeah, yeah. you're right. There's still like I still got to watch Jordan Addison. I'm really excited for that, but I've I've seen Zay Flowers. Right, Zay Flowers is five 182 pounds. That is that's very unassuming. But mm-hmm. get him on the football field, get him in space. Bye bye. This dude. And it's not even like he's Jalen Hyatt type of speed, the Tennessee wide receiver. It's just his ability to run routes and his ability to manipulate defenders and use timing to really explode out of his breaks yes. into open space. And the once that he has ankle a football-
1: flexion too, dude, it's oh that, ability that that is the athleticism. No one talks about you don't test at the combine. But when you have that trade, I think it means a lot.
2: And the thing about Zay Flowers, too, there's a lot of these undersized guys who are a little bit more just slot types, right? Even Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's not even that much of an undersized right. guy, he's more of a slot. Zay Flowers played the majority of his snaps on the outside. Just because you're not big doesn't mean you can't yes. play outside. So i really Zay Flowers, the Boston College kid. I can't wait to do a prospect profile on him with you, Dan. Right. And I don't know if you've watched him extensively, but I know you've I just seen started watching
1: him. I've seen like three games.
2: He is Dan Schneier, just like oh, I'm already putting the stamp on. Yeah, it, you know, know? I'm going to
1: love this guy. Yeah, no, I already yeah. love him from what I've seen. I, it's exactly what I look for in a wide receiver.
2: But yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of players who do fall into that bucket. But Joe Shane, and I don't have the quote in front of me, Dan, but this uh, relates to the wide receiver position. He said at some point throughout the interview, like, look, we have holes all throughout our roster. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to just address wide receiver. Now, that right. could just be him, like, you know, being like, hey, no, look, he we're not. That. He
1: means that when he but says yes. that.
2: No, exactly. It but could be too Because yeah. it's
1: not the only hole.
2: No, it's definitely not the only hole. Like he even said, there's a ton of holes on both sides yes. of the football. When you look at this draft too, man, and I can't wait to go over it in the coming months, you have – so much depth at cornerback. We know Wink Martindale system needs cornerbacks and any system needs cornerbacks. So it's not even just like if Wink's not here in the second year of this kid's contract, he's going to be irrelevant to the roster. You need cornerbacks to start. And this is a very deep corner class. And then there is also the importance of the interior defensive line that he stressed throughout that press conference as well that I want to get into it with you eventually.
1: Yeah, we will. Let's talk a little bit about what Joe Shea, uh Just a few, th- a, a, a note. This one probably doesn't have much of a discussion banter part, but we'll talk about it. He just. I, this just. I thought this was interesting. He said we just finished our draft meetings. We had two weeks of seven a.m. to seven at night. We go through it by position. We give a football grade and a character grade. Then we look back, and we do this because we want to look back and say, are, "Are is this guy moving up or down for the right reason? Because of how he looked at the combine, or is it because of how he looked in the combine?" Short and shells. I think that's really important because I think a lot of the you know the mistakes over time in the NFL draft by various GMs have been made because they put too much weight on the 40 yard dash specifically, but in general combine stuff. I mean, even if it's not just the 40 yard dash, right? Look at what happened with DK Metcalf way too much weight pushed put on all of those. And look at what happened with Orlando Brown jr. Way too much weight put on how bad he looked at the combine and he ends up being a great tackle in the NFL.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. I feel like there's a lot of sayings around
2: combine time that is just like, okay, this is obvious. Like, hey, this guy met with this team. Like, right. teams are going to meet with every player. Like, that's not right. a, a completely novel thing that means that that player is going to wind up wearing that team's Jersey. And also Dan, like that sounds like something like we're not going to move somebody up and down the draft board because of what they do at the common. That sounds like something every team wouldn't do, but that's just not true. There are teams that specifically have like height, weight measurements per position, and they won't draft you if you do not meet those requirements. So that means something when Joe Shane says that, and I do believe him when he out, when he also makes that declaration. And I'll say this on that note, that is a
1: hundred percent true. And we haven't really discussed that much or touched on it. But I would love in, in the future for Shane to play a little bit just to, to add a little bit more nuance to it. Right. So if he knows that. Right. You got to It's kind of like poker. There's like leveling in poker. Sometimes you're the, you're in yeah. an, and everybody loves the poker references. But for the few who do play and enjoy these, you can get to a point in the hand where you're at the river and you're betting. And then someone's raising you and you have to think there's leveling to it. Is he raising me because he thinks I don't have nothing? Or is he raising me because he has a good hand? And then it's like the leveling game. And I think in the future, I hope Joe Shane can play a little bit more with with a little bit more nuance when it comes to a pick like using 44 overall on Wandale Robinson, right? Because maybe you think, look, there's a lot of teams who have a five foot 10 or higher threshold at receiver. I don't need to invest the top 45 on Wandale. I can trade back again and find another. And like, we really can then stretch this trade back. to maybe the 55, 60 range because no one's going to take a Wandell Robinson at that threshold, 5-8 or whatever he is, that high in a draft. So I hope there's a little bit more leveling. I know he wanted to get his guy. He didn't want to miss out on Wandell at that point. But sometimes, you know, you can use a little bit more nuance if you're taking these kind of players who don't fit into that box of what uh, all teams are looking for.
2: I like when you talk about the psychological aspect of poker. Yeah, okay. it's, start, it's, when, it's when you start throwing out like PLO, PLO, yeah. and river, and <laughs> well, the theory of poker stuff, is the okay.
1: best part about poker. The psychological is by oh, far yeah. the part I like the most. That if anyone, the best book you can read if anyone's trying to get into the game is just called "The Theory of Poker" by David Slansky. It doesn't talk about hands, doesn't talk about PLO, hold them. It's not specific to any game. It's just the theory behind it. The the mental, you know. The the uh, psychology behind it. But anyway, no more poker. Let's get back <laughs> to the Giants. I want to talk about something Joe Shane said about the Giants offensive line. He said, we have really good depth. So that's the first time I've heard him really say anything about his feelings on the depth of the offensive line. Thought that was interesting. He said, it won't prevent us, though, if there's a guy out there. And he said specifically on the interior that we would want to sign from doing that. And it's going to add good competition. But he said. He really like you know. He mentioned that he really likes the coaching continuity. That should help all the position groups. He likes the guys they're bringing back. They've already said they've already had discussions with the agent of Nick Gates and John Feliciano, mm-hmm. potentially bringing both back for that continuity there. Um, But I did think the the things that he mentioned that were interesting there were one that he likes the depth they have on the offensive line. That's the first time we've heard a GM say that. Well, maybe Dave said that at some point, but he was an idiot to say it because our old line was never good under Dave but the first time we've heard anything about good the word's good depth and offensive line to be even anywhere associated with the giants and i think me and you would both agree nick the giants offensive line was much better on film than the grades from pff last year and that i see cycling around twitter the giants offensive line was so bad giants offensive line was pretty damn good last year toward the end of that season and for the most part was pretty average i don't i've seen bad offensive lines for the giants over the last 5 years that was certainly one of the better ones i've seen would you agree with that I,
2: I do agree with that, but it, it gets a little tricky, right? Because yeah, I feel like he, it's not good yet, but the liability on the Giants offensive line was a player that isn't going to be replaced. In right.
1: And he so, made that clear in that. Cause he said, yeah. we, if there's a guy out there on the interior, he made that clear. The tackles were done with that. We got what we want there.
2: Yeah. And he spoke about Mark Lewinsky and his, his yes. history with Bobby Johnson. And he also mentioned like guys like Jack Anderson and players that we don't even think of and how they started last year and how right. every offensive lineman. Had an abil- had a had a start under his belt, and he made a point to mention that Other than McKeithen, who tore his ACL at the Blue and White uh, scrimmage, so right. he seems pretty high on the interior offensive line. But still, man, if like a guy like Osiris Torrance is sitting there, and the value meets up somewhere on day two, like definitely got to explore that. And I'm sure that Joe Shane will.
1: Yeah, and we'll see what happens there. But I think. I would guess that the Giants would probably not use a day one or day two pick on the offensive line. This, this draft, that's my guess right now. If I had to put a guess on right now, and I don't think they're going to assign anyone to free agency outside of their own guys. So it might be the same O line coming back. Hopefully, like he said, the continuity with the coaching staff and with the players should take a big jump. And I think it will. I, again, I don't think the Giants offensive line was good last year, but I've seen so many years of bad offensive line play. Yeah. It was nowhere near the levels of the days they had sold or any of the Gettleman years or the back end of those resources years which were even worse than the Gettleman years it took a notable step in my mind especially to the back end of the season when they were able to kind of run a pass first offense
2: that was the key earlier in the year they couldn't run that pass first offense you brought up the Reese years Dan and it just reminded me that literally the Giants went into a season with a statue of Dan or Daniel Jones wow of Eli Manning at quarterback with Bobby Hart and (laughs)
1: Eric Flowers Flowers and Tackles one of the most amazing things I've have. ever seen a GM do, and like the off before <laughs> that, or maybe it was that exact season, he decided to sign Brandon Marshall, Brandon for Marshall. Andrew Whitworth, when Whitworth said he wanted to come to the Giants. It was insane, insane. and they said he said, "I I had my agent reach out, and they said we're not interested." We're that not was interested. That was
2: 2017. That was we're 2017.
1: What do you mean you're not interested? We're not interested in Andrew (laughs) Whitworth. What are we talking about here? We're not interested. We got Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart. We're not interested. That was after a playoff season, too. Unbelievable. And it was after
2: the two years where we had two years of tape on Eric Flowers.
1: Yeah. And it was
2: obvious when we drafted Eric Flowers. You know how that goes with these
1: GMs, (laughs) though. They got to prove their pick right. And, that's and, and as bad days. as
2: Gettleman was, Reese was really bad with that. Right, there were yep. a lot of legacy and scholarship guys who were drafted yep. by Reese, and they just lasted their. Four that was years a much bigger problem with no Reese. Value. That's a
1: very good point by you, Nick.
2: Yeah, it was it was gross.
1: Yeah, at least Gettleman sometimes moved on from his mistakes, like Pat Mahomes. Yeah. He gives the guy a multi-year deal with guaranteed money. He has to cut him before Thanksgiving of his first season. This is the magic. bad. It is. Someone was arguing me in my DMS yesterday that like all the signings Gettleman made at the time were top players in the market. I'm like, dude the job of the gm is to project moving forward if every single one of these fails miserably that doesn't mean you had a good like what are we talking about here like but top of the market by who gffs grades of the top free agents that year. like what do we care like they have to play good so like what are we yeah. talking about here but we don't need to get into that they're cut galladay yesterday and they're going to get some cap back now but they're still dead cap it's just a disaster all around but some at some point that'll be off the books and i and by the way joe shane said yesterday that he does not confirm that this is a post g uh june one or pre-g uh june one cut with galladay he says they still have time to decide that and they will take yeah. that time so basically just to catch people up on that if it's a post june one cut that means that they get more cap space for this year but they have to take on a dead cap hit next year with galladay and and he counts against their next year cap. If they do it before and they just clear it off the books before next year, they have less cap space to work with this year. I hope they do that one because I don't want to have any dead cap with Galladay next year. Just enough is enough with that. Um, anyway, let's get back into this real quick. Uh Joe Jane said that he's both caught he would he's cautiously optimistic about getting deals done with both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, though he did say throughout that that you know he's going Daniel Jones is going to be back. He didn't really have the same things to say about Barkley.
2: No, Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback. He made that very clear. Barkley, it's, hey, we have this number. And if that number isn't agreed upon, then kind of sayonara. He didn't say that, obviously, but that's what he was implying, in my opinion. That's the way you should do this with the running back position with Saquon Barkley. And I think Joe Shane genuinely wants Saquon Barkley back. He talked about how Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley have been around each other their entire careers. They're coming off this great season and how valuable Saquon Barkley can be. But don't come off that number.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was interesting for him to also say that you know, continuity, familiarity with the system. We're going to be much further ahead as a team having this staff return. But he said, especially Daniel will benefit from that. So and he's had no doubt in his mind that Daniel Jones will be the quarterback next year. He also said that they had productive conversations starting yesterday. Um, this was being recorded the day after by us with Daniel Jones and his agents. But he did mention, which I thought was really interesting. They had no contract negotiations with jones's prior agents remember jones switched agencies about a week ago that means no um contract discussions were ever made with the previous agency which i just thought was was kind of interesting um joe shane also mentioned on the barkley front they still have they're, they're getting closer but they still have to bridge the gap
2: like he's going to test the market right yes i would imagine so I would we'll to see i would i would imagine he's going to test the market to see what else is out there and all it takes is one team.
1: A few other interesting things to discuss here. Um, I thought this was very interesting. They asked Joe Shane how he felt about the Giants' defensive line depth. Remember, last season, one, the Giants had absolutely no defensive line rotation, basically. They had some injuries that hurt them. Um, and then also, in addition to having injuries that hurt them, with what was left, they really trotted out guys at an insane rate. Dexter Lawrence played just an absurd snap rate last year for an interior defensive lineman, especially a 340 pound interior defensive lineman. That is not replicable. I mean, they have to find a way to stop that because you can't count on this guy to be there long-term. If he's going to be grinded out for 80% snap, whatever it was like he was on the field, almost every snap that's not going to work out. He said, not great. When asked about the defensive line depth, I thought it was really interesting to say that, you know, he said it's important that we improve there because we don't want to have a serious drop-off when guys like Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence get a break and they didn't get a break a lot like, year too. So it's a twofold issue there. But I thought in addition to that, he also made an interesting point about the draft where he said, you know, he doesn't feel like this is a strong draft for interior defensive line. He said he's that he said that's been the case now for a few years. He also said that he considers that position into a premium position, which is the first time I've heard him say that.
2: Yeah. And I think that's really interesting too. And there are, I would say a bunch of solid ass or solid assets coming out of the draft. And one that really catches my eye is Kalijah Kansi from yeah, Pitt, oh, yeah. who is an undersized a six interior foot two eighty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really kind of fits the bill of Aaron Donald. And he's gonna probably see those comps a lot. Yeah. And I don't think he's as much of a physical freak as no. Aaron Donald, but he's still a freak and he still could blow up this combine coming up here shortly. So that's definitely a name to kind of monitor for day two, if he even lasts that long. Cause he is just like literally energizer bunny out there with just so many different I don't think will last that long, power. honestly. Uh, yeah. maybe
1: day two, maybe early day two, but someone's going to want to take a, that's the type of talent. I think someone's going to want to take a swing on, especially we've seen some, uh, you know, similar type builds be, be drafted earlier in in recent years. And like you said, or like I said a little bit earlier, that defensive interior defensive line is becoming a premium position in some GM's mind. And some people think there's not a lot of it out there. And speaking on the interior defensive line, he said that they've already had conversations. This was the first time we heard this, Nick, with Dexter Lawrence's agent about a potential, uh, extension, um, and he said the defensive tackle market is a little different because of the gap between players, but we will have conversations with Dexter Lawrence this week. He's a good player. and We want him here for a long time. He also said they plan to have negotiations with with um, with Leonard Williams, which is really interesting as well, because they probably going to need to restructure that contract add some years, take off the cap hit. Maybe it will be even a pay cut, which, you know, Dexter Lawrence mentioned he's possibly open to at the end of the season
2: uh, a few months ago. Leonard. Yeah. Leonard Williams or Leonard Williams. Sorry. Yeah, I'm open to restructuring Leonard Williams' deal, not just like bringing it down for that reason. But like, I wouldn't like I wish he had a more consistent season because he was injured most this year. So it could guy approaching 30. It could look like, hey, this guy's done with I'm not 100% certain if he is at the interior defensive line position, and I wouldn't be opposed to giving him another year on that contract to kind of level it out. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I've thought a lot about this because it's a critical juncture and it's critical piece for the Giants to kind of like have to work with, they don't have much to work with roster-wise as far as restructures go and creating cap space. I'm on your side of this. I thought a lot about it, Nick. And I was thinking about some players throughout the NFL, like Calais Campbell and other players I've noticed that have been in that Clayus Campbell mode and mold. And I don't think Leonard Williams is quite Clayus Campbell, he's six foot eight, but he's he's a similar type presence to me. And I think with the defensive tackle position, and tier defensive line position, there is a longevity factor there. I feel like players play into later years and still maintain a lot of impact and effectiveness just because of their just purely based on like the uh, what's his name? Who was the George Young theory, right? Of just big humans on the yeah. field and like planet the, theory. the planet theory, simply because of the planet theory. I think these defensive tackles and it's really true of the offensive line as well. We've seen it with a lot of these guys like Trent Williams and Andrew Whitworth. This is a position group, both sides of the ball in the trenches, I think have a chance to have longevity. So because of that, he's 28 years old. I don't mind restructuring and extending Leonard Williams, especially if he's willing to take a little bit of a pay cut, change kind of the the idea of it. Cause get Gettleman, put him on the market as look, you're going to be one of the highest paid overall players in the NFL within two years of this contract. And that's what he, he's going to this season with like the third highest cap. It. As long as we can settle it back down and be like, okay, Leonard, we, we understand the last GM. Kind of, he did what he did, but we need to reconsider this. You had an injured year, blah blah blah. Whatever. I don't know how you do it, but if you can find a way to get him to take like mid middle, not mid tier, but like top ten ish, top fifteen ish defensive tackle money on an extension, restructure, create the cap space, that I'm good with. But if he, you know, if he, it's a, if it's a extension that keeps him in the thirty million dollar range or whatever he's making this year against the cap, that's when obviously you know you have to reconsider that.
2: Yeah, thirty two million counting against the cap. I think it's like the third highest, maybe second highest non quarterback contract. Yeah. Just- and so when people get mad at me for talking
1: about Gettleman, just understand we're still dealing with the after effects right now. It's not just with the Leonard Williams and with the Kenny Galladay, it's also with the fact that the opportunity cost, what you've lost by having these things continue to happen. So just until we're fully cleared, I need like two, I need probably a year or two more before <laughs> I can really let it go. So just give me my time there. And you'll sell
2: that property in your head, bro.
1: I'll get there eventually. (laughs) Um, I thought it was really interesting how Joe Shane talked about how big decisions are looming in free agency, right? They might sign Jones. They might sign Barkley. They might sign Jones to a deal that creates a lot of cap space for the now. They might restructure Leno Williams, like we talked about to create cap space for the now. But he said, we're going to, he keeps reiterating this over and over, and I'm so happy he does because I'm in his ballpark on this one, Nick. He says, we're going to have to build this thing through the draft. We are going to have to build this thing to the draft. What that tells me is, Nick, he's not going to be reactionary. He's not going to be like, I need to improve on that 2022 season. We won nine games. What can we do to win 11? No, it's not about winning a little bit more next year. It's about the long term goals. It's about putting this franchise in a good spot for the next five years. Do not focus on the short term. Focusing on the now is exactly what I didn't like about the last GM's process. This GM has a new process. He's focusing on the long-term, and to win this thing long-term, you have to build through the draft. Regency can only be a supplement.
2: I'm right there with you, man. That's something that we've been talking about on the Big Blue Banter podcast for years now, man. Build through the draft. Retain that talent if you can, which is something else that yeah. Joe Shane has stressed, and these aren't even guys that he drafted, and he wants to bring back all these guys who Gettleman drafted and retain them. And That's something that, if man, if you go back, the New York Giants have been horrendous at bringing back their own talent over the last yep. what decade and a half. I think the only guys they've resigned to a second contract was JPP and Odell and then they traded Odell like a year later. Am I missing right. anybody? No. Nope. I
1: think uh JPP, Odell, they Sterling, Shepherd. Yep, yeah. and I knew I was missing one. Um, yeah. they got Shepherd trying to think if is that it that's insane if that's it it might be it but it might be a couple more we're forgetting potentially nick gates i, I guess kind of counts but not really not not really though yeah. like he's undrafted it's like i'm so honestly i, I don't drafted. think they
2: have i think that's, that's crazy it, think yeah, that's, yeah,
1: that's, that that also shows how poorly they've drafted if that's the case honestly
2: but yeah i mean a lot of guys didn't even last through their uh contract they were gone crazy, like the same yeah. feels of the world and players right. like that. Damn Beal.
1: Sam freaking peel. That's the, of all the, that's the low key, the one that I hate the most of the Gettleman moves I because I just knew what he was doing. He's like, just so jamming cornerback there. He's like, we have to fix this need now. What can we do to fix this need now? I wonder how much like- James.
2: How much James Betcher had to do with that though? Maybe, Another guy who ran a very man-heavy system and they needed to corner-
1: bro. It's scattle, man. The, the GM yeah. makes the final decision. The coach can't force GM to use his next round, next year's pick to fix the now. That's what he's dipping into next year. There is uh it's pain. It's pain, but it, it is, is what pain. it is, and it's over. Let's talk more about Joe Shane right now. He said you have to learn, he says you have to prioritize certain positions in the salary cap era, and those resources you have to uh and you have to make sure that with those resources, you address those positions of need. He said on the defensive prospects in this class, I thought this was really interesting. He gave a little insight on this class, Nick. He said he feels like the outside backers for our scheme. He said this is a really deep crop, which kind of sucks because the Giants just invested in, in backers and the outside backers in the last two drafts. They probably don't need one now. You could always use outside backers, Nick, but I mean, how many are going to? You're going to draft before addressing these other needs. Said, feels like it's deep there, but he said, over the last few drafts, defensive interior linemen and inside linebackers are becoming scarce. He specifically talked about how scarce inside linebackers are. He said, it's a little thin now and has been that way for a few years. He said, Wink does a good job of identifying to her staff what specifically he's looking for an inside linebacker. And he said, he needs the ability to come off the block of a 300 pound offensive lineman, but also to drop in coverage. And he said, those guys are hard to find. So not not a lot of optimism there.
2: No, not a ton of optimism, but I'm telling you, man, the kid from Iowa – Jack Campbell is is one that fits that
1: linebackers, but I'm going to, I'm going to give him a shot. He's
2: not elite coverage, right? Like, but there are some clips of him carrying the three up the seam and and he's just like six foot four, almost six foot five long, like type of linebacker who can use that length to disrupt throwing windows. But you want to talk about someone who's going to stack and check. If you look at this linebacker class and I haven't studied all these guys yet, Mm -hmm. but I have the ones that I have seen. A lot of these guys are just athletes who are kind of just running around. That's just kind of how college football is right now like yeah, you know, yeah. from Texas uh, Drew Sanders even he was an edge rusher uh, the years prior and then transferred to Arkansas and now he's playing linebacker so there's a lot of rawness to the linebacker position but when you look at Jack Campbell he isn't that at all like he is somebody who's keying diagnosing he understands run concepts he knows when to penetrate he knows how to win the cat and mouse game he's somebody right. will have a, pro- uh, a prospect profile on and I'll, I'm excited to go over him I just don't know if the Giants would want to spend the 25th pick on him and I don't know if he'll be available in the second round Interesting. And we'll talk more about those prospects as we move forward there. Uh, anything else from Joe Shane's presser that stood out to you? I mean, there was honestly due to it was a lot of the same stuff that like mm-hmm. I felt like Joe Shane would say like Joe Shane has been pretty consistent with his message, in my opinion. And it's just refreshing because it's something that we haven't necessarily seen. It's something that we really wanted in our in our uh, general manager. But really, everything that you went over were the, the pertinent aspects. Like I didn't know that he put such a high precedent on the interior defensive line. We hoped, like we figured because you don't want Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams playing that many snaps, especially when Leonard Williams hurt and Dexter Lawrence is pushing 350 pounds. So maybe look at, I might look at some of these interior defensive linemen a little bit differently on day two because realistically, the giants could go in that direction, but I'm glad that he's also putting a precedent in linebacker and just looking at some of those edge rushers too, that he's referring to just some names who fit the outside linebacker bill. Because when you look at edge rusher these days, it's really two different groups, right? It's two different positions. Cause you have those 275, 280 pound Lucas Van Ness Tyree w- uh, Wilson's miles Murphy players like that. But then you have the guys that wink Martindale is more than likely going to be looking at. And I'm a little curious too, Dan, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. Before I go over the Nolan Smiths and, and, and the players like that, do you think the Giants would entertain those 275, 280-pound guys because they had a guy like Jahad Ward who they trusted on the edge? If they can drop a little bit, because Jahad Ward didn't have like the most oily hips, but if you can drop a little bit to the boundary, just to sync with the tight end or keep up with a tight end and mirror him a little bit and then get kicked inside and be used as a pass rusher, then you have value. And there's a lot of guys in this draft. Tyree Wilson, Lucas Van Ness, right. Leon White, the kid from uh, Georgia Tech, who everybody's talking about. Miles Murphy from Clemson. Lucas Van Ness is from Iowa. Tyree Wilson is from Texas Tech. Do you think the Giants would go in that direction? Because I'm more apt to believe that they would go with the 250-pound guys to kind of have a trio rotation with Aziz when he's healthy and Kayvon. I think it's a really interesting question because we
1: look at, you know, what was the Giants' biggest weakness by far, in my opinion, last year? It was the ability to stop the run against power and gap, right? Yep. I don't think there's anything that even competes with that on a just pure uh, failure to versus success level. Now, you could argue what's most important to winning football games, and that's not that important because it's a running game. And I would say, okay, you have a case to be made. But as far as just pure failures and successes, they were the most failures for this Giants team game against power gap run teams, right? and one of the re it wasn't just the linebackers were the the main culprit obviously but part yeah. of it dude was that the edges didn't really i mean the guys we had out there in the outside linebacker positions didn't really do a great job of setting the edge kevon Thibodeau was okay at it. i think he was better in backside run pursuit and backside run defense um you know ward was good when they had him on the field he was pretty good at that i think but the rest of the edges outside of the outside of ward weren't really good at it so I think they would entertain it just because they probably look at their team and they're like, we are super weak on run defense. We need obviously need linebackers. But we also need guys who can set the
2: edge better. That's why a guy like Nolan Smith makes sense to me. Now, he is a six foot three, about yeah. 230, 235-pound edge. This was the player who was ranked higher than Kayvon Thibodeau coming out of high school, the only edge rusher who was ranked higher than Kayvon. So he was in that recruiting class. But I watched... A lot of Georgia tape and I haven't evaluated Nolan Smith yet, but when I've seen Nolan Smith on the football field, he's a dog as a, as a, as a run defender, which is something that you don't really always think of with a 230, 235 pound guy. So he's somebody I'm really interested in digging into because he can also drop into space. Cause how much are you going to trust Tyree Wilson, six foot six, 275 pound Wilson to drop into space. But I also think it's interesting with Wink Martindale's positionless defense, because Traditionally, generally speaking, you don't associate a 275 pound defensive lineman with odd front three, four teams for outside linebacker. That's much more even front four, three type of edge rusher that you can put out there like the Giants used to run back in like the Coughlin years when they had the UCU manures, Justin Tucks and the Michael Strahans of the world. But with Wink Martindale, like we're just discussing, man, I wouldn't put it past him to look at some of those bigger-bodied guys and to just use that player in a, in a multitude of different ways. Now, Tyree Wilson and players like that, they're going to be gone before the Giants pick, so you can take those names out, but there are guys later in the draft that are of that body type that I think maybe Wink Martindale would would at least explore just to find out what he can do with them. But ideally, you're still looking for those 240, 255-pound edge rushers who can set the edge, the Kayvon Thibodeau-like type players.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's p- turn the page forward. Thanks to everybody tuning into the Big Boo Banter podcast. This was our breakdown of Joe Shane's Combine Presser. One thing I haven't done in a while is promote. So I'm going to promote the show a little bit. Help us grow this show. If you want to help us grow this show, please tell your friends and people who enjoy this type of football content about our YouTube page. We have like 2.89 k subscribers we want to try to get that number way higher if you're already watching the show but haven't hit subscribe please hit subscribe on the youtube channel please like and hit that bell button so you get uh notifications for the new videos and as always you can we really need your help to help grow the podcast by helping us on the podcast front. So if you get your podcast by Spotify or iTunes, just make sure you hit subscribe and auto download. Even if you have no more space on your phone, just hit download and delete the podcast. You can do that as many times as you want. It'll help us more, but the downloads are super important. Leave us a rating and review. If you haven't already with a five-star rating to help us grow there. I know a lot of people who have found us have said they found us by simply searching New York giants podcast" on their iTunes or podcast app. So the way to move up that algorithm is by getting more reviews. So please help us there. And then lastly, we're doing some new things in social media. We have a TikTok going now, thanks to Nick. And it's under Big Blue Banter. So if you're a TikTok person, um, and I guess you're in the generation a little bit younger than Nick and I, because we're still trying to figure out this TikTok thing. And now we sound like old people doing that. But that's life. Uh, go check us out on TikTok as well. So otherwise, have a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you.